Welcome to ADHD is Over, a new podcast on a seemingly old label that we're going to be peeling off. Join my wife, Tatiana, and I as we journey with our family, the Wyden family, through the land of confusing information. We're going to visit both sides and let you decide because the power is with you. Welcome to ADHD is Over. My guest today is author, speaker, and consultant, Jim Shields. Jim is the co-founder of Board Meetings International, a company that specializes in parent-child retreats using a combination of experiential education and fun activities like surfing and other oceanfront adventures to teach vital life lessons not taught in school. Jim's book, The Family Board Meeting, was ranked as a number one parenting Kindle book on Amazon. And today, Jim will be sharing some key concepts from his work, including why family board meetings matter, the effects they have on our children, the difference between paying attention to a child versus giving a child our full presence. And Jim and I will be discussing the possible reasons why many entrepreneurs have been diagnosed with ADHD, as many as 60 plus percent of entrepreneurs, supposedly based on studies, have this so-called disorder. Let's talk. Hi, Jim. Welcome. Hey, Roman. Good to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, I'm uh, the, the excitement is over here because, you know, uh, I was talking to a friend of mine about your book and the, the philosophy of the fam- the family board meeting. And he's like, but I thought you guys are doing a podcast and a documentary on ADHD. And I said, well, it's all about attention. You know, it's about paying attention, giving attention, getting attention, not being able to have it or give it. So at first, my friend was like, I'm not seeing the connection. And then he's like, oh, of course. So I'm really excited to... Um, uh, to dig in with you, uh, uh, you know, into your work and also how it uh, connects to ADHD. So I just want to say, first of all, man, you really sobered me up yesterday when my wife and I were talking about 18 summers. I was like, what do you mean? Because she's the one mainly reading the book. I'll be honest. I have not had a personal chance to read the book. That's okay. But I, <laughs> but I definitely will. But I've done research on you and I've seen you speak and and uh, we'll get into a little bit of that. But just when she set the 18 summers concept, I was like literally going, wait a minute, are you telling me that I only have like six more left with one son and, you know, uh, nine with the other? And it just kind of hit me like how uh, finite it is, right? And and sure, you may do other summers after their turn, eight, turn 18 as a family, uh, but that was really, that really did a number on me. So I appreciate that setting me straight and really focusing on, uh, creating not just summers, but time with my kids. So thank you for that. First of all, oh, you're welcome. You're welcome, Roman. That that's a simple math equation that gets so many. It hit me so hard and I'd get feedback in the talk. And so many people come and go say, as soon as you said 18 summers and I did that math, I've had a different perspective. And that's what happened for me the day a mentor of mine said it when I first started doing family talks he said, what you're doing is important. And just remember this. You only got 18 summers. Yeah, they're still going to be your kids afterwards. But the majority of the time, and there's studies. There was a study that showed the average person will spend almost 85% of the time they ever have with their children by the end of the 18th summer. Because, you wow. know, after that, they become adults and go off. And I thought about that. And again, I did the same. I'm like, gosh, wait, I only have 11 left. I only have 13 <laughs> left. And, and it, it, you start to, you know, feel a positive push. Mm-hmm. And that has rearranged my career. It's rearranged 
my my perspective that you know the the years as another mentor of mine says the years are not all created equal just remember that yeah wow that's beautiful and i'd like to just take that opportunity to jump in like how the hell did you come up with the concept of the family board meeting because i just want to clarify for our listeners that in essence this is what i took away is like if you as an entrepreneur especially right anyone any family can do this but if as entrepreneurs you believe that if we ran our family a bit more like a company, and I don't mean this in a cold business kind of way, but how did that concept start? Because it's a very businessy kind of term, right? The family board meeting. How did that come about? Yeah, I think, well, it came out in a couple of different ways. I, I think that, again, I have ADD. So I, I know that we all know about hyperfocus. You go into hyperfocus, and a lot of entrepreneurs have ADD tendencies or ADD. And so you can get into that hyper-focus of wanting to do the business. So I say, look, let's swim with the current. There are certain things and certain rhythms within business. And if we can just tweak them to our home life, like I see my children as by far my most important clients, investors, and key team members in my business. Mm. And with that hyper-focus of entrepreneurship, that keeps them in a positive light. I don't think it's impersonal at all because I know that I can stand in front of anyone and I've put family as a strong value and not only put it as a strong value, but live it. So it was, it was that connection that I had that wanted to do that. And really this came because I, I need things that are simple, easy to keep doing and show results. Uh, that's why if you look at my book, I'm sure your, your wife said, oh, he definitely has ADD. Look how short his book is. <laughs> <laughs> and I, when I go to a business conference, my book gets read first because it's short and it has to do with family. And there's yeah. not very many things about family strategies for the entrepreneur. So this, everything I teach for 18 summers and the family board meeting is something I needed, Roman. Mm-hmm. I needed something simple to follow. Remember, we stepped in, I stepped into a beautiful situation many years ago. You know, I met my wife. We fell in love instantly. Um, and she was the proud mom of two little boys. Um, you know, she was, she was in a very bad situation um, and, and alcoholism, the abuse, the whole thing, stood up for herself, got out of it, got full custody, and I met her a few years later. And the boys and I hit it off famously, um, but they had trust issues, um, you know, that I talk about in my book. And I needed something to make sure as I'm building my businesses, I connected. I had an instant family now. I went from being the fun uncle to the dad, and then we continued to have more kids. And this one thing came because I wanted to spend more time with them. I didn't want to have my, my hyper-focus go out of whack. So yeah, one yeah. Christmas... I just gave them the first Christmas, I gave them quality time coupons. And I said, that was basically the start of the family board meeting. I said, look, you're going to hand one of these in every quarter. And they're like, what's a quarter? You know, I didn't have a quarter (laughs) when I was here. So, and I said, every 90 days, we're going to go on, we're going to have a day just for you. See, companies do these things called board meetings and board meetings just reunite the team and make you look ahead to the next 90 days. So every day I said, here it is. It's just going to be us. You plan the day. My phone's going to be off. We're going to do that every 90 days to make sure that I'm keeping you guys in in my front focus Mm -hmm. and that relationship and the results we had, which I know you wanted to talk about the first year, especially with my oldest son. um, It was, it was something I couldn't not share. It's something I didn't want to share. It wasn't comfortable. It's not what I ever wanted to be speaking on necessarily. And, um, and now it's gone into a book, a movement and, a whole family education company. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. I, you know, I had heard of yesterday before. And so uh, we had some yes days in our calendar. And then when my wife told me about the, the, the board meeting concept, 
uh, it was last, was it this past? Yeah, it was this past Sunday that it was time for me and my son to spend time together. And because I was so aware of what, you know, that I'll be talking to you like today, um, I, it was so amazing. The connection we had, the fun. I mean, he hugged me the whole time. We were waiting, we we're playing miniature golf and oh. he, you know, waiting for holes a lot and he would just hug me and we would be quiet and, it was so beautiful. And I definitely, I definitely just even from that Sunday, um, you know, still have this remnants of connection and love. So I'm a hundred percent. When we talked about your book with my wife, I was like, I get it. This has to be out there, you know, for parents, not just with, with children with ADHD, which by the way, you mentioned this. So I want to just go into that. I was, I had that question a little later, but so you, were you ever officially diagnosed or, or why, why do you say I have ADHD? Right. Cause I, I said the same thing a little while back. You know, I was, I was class clown and always in trouble in school. And mm. so it was, it was diagnosed later in life, probably my early twenties when I started to go and they, I went to the, it was in actually out in California near you guys. And I said, I want to understand this. And they said, yes, you're definitely ADD and ADHD. I do think for anyone out there, I wonder your thoughts, the hyperactivity starts to settle. Like I'm still like to move around, but there is a settling, there is a growth through it. I think if you yeah. facilitate and, and work with it, um, but yeah, the ADD, it was undeniable. I mean, it was, I was, I couldn't sit still. I was always talking a little bit outside the rules and the lines. And I'm like, oh, wow, that's what's made me an entrepreneur today. Um, so, but yeah, so I was officially diagnosed more in my early twenties. Um, but I mean, every child thing that my parents had to go to, I was in trouble. They said, we believe he's ADD. That's interesting. Yeah. I always say entrepreneur is French for can't work for anyone else. So what, you know, no wonder a lot of entrepreneurs are like, I'm going to do my own office, do what I love, do my own thing. I can walk around the office, there's standing desks or whatever, uh, ping pong tables. You know, I think all these things came about because a lot of entrepreneurs are like, why would I want to sit still in a chair for, for, for more than like 30 minutes at a time? I can't. Right. And, and I agree what you said. Uh, we, we definitely are discovering that uh, you know, our son was diagnosed at six and he's now 12 and his hyperactivity and impulsivity both have dissolved. I mean, it's gone and there was no medication. No, it was just love, you know, removing friction in the environment, letting him be who he is, changing schools to accommodate him. Everything has helped, you know, so I'm a big believer that what you, in what you said, it will, it will go away. I mean, that's, that's from our experience. I agree. It, 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 it reforms, it, it, it clicks into, into gear um, yeah. where it's controlled. It's that it does dissipate uh, for a lot of people. At least it did for me and it'll come back in different periods and times. Yeah. Um, but I can tell you the, uh, it's not something I talk about much, but the only time I am very strong believer in exactly what we're talking about educating connection um, uh, you know, putting the, the round hole in the, in the round peg together. Um, and that's not done with ADD. I know the only time that I ever tried to medicate, and I don't remember which one it was, it was for a very short time. I said, well, let me try this as, as a younger adult. I was, I was suicidal for a few weeks and I went off of it and swore to never do that again. Um, and it was, it, it's, I think there are better ways. I think there's a time and a place for that. Uh, yeah. But I, I'm very passionate about about parents like you getting involved, not seeing this as a sickness, um, but as a gift um, and as something that you can work with. And then it's, if, if you learn how to work with it, 
it's almost an unfair advantage. I think I have an unfair advantage with the things that I create, uh, the things we do in our family things, the real estate deals I've put together. It, it's, it's an unfair advantage. It's, it's an extra gear that most people don't have. That's, yeah. that's giving me a lot of, a lot of like extra opportunity, I think. That's great. I like, um, you just brought up something. Um, you know, we had this, uh, this insight that it's not an attention deficit, like they can't pay attention. It's that they're not getting the right kind of attention from their, you know, role models, their parents, the teacher and so forth. So perhaps let's go into, you know, when you do what you do with your kids, when you have your board meetings, right? If you were to, if you had to uh, um, split the atoms and say there's many type of attentions, like, you know, there's, for example, and this is my wife uh, was really curious about this. I, I love her because she so really wants to get into the details of like, what's the difference between just saying, oh, yeah, I'm paying attention to my child versus really giving your full presence. Like, what's the difference and in, in how how can a parent make sure that they're really there with the child? Yeah, it's great. There's passing time and there's quality time. And passing time is great sitting there watching a show, talking real quick as everyone's rushing this way and that way, um, driving somewhere together. That's that's great. That's passing time. And I believe in that. But I don't think it goes as deep or as connected as quality time. And three things that I've I've found, especially with children with ADD, um, and I probably modeled this because I needed it and I didn't get it. Um, the three things that make it quality time, I think, is, is my three principles. The first one is one-on-one -on -one time. Oh man, one-on-one -on -one time is, is the elixir of deeper relationships and it rarely happens. We don't schedule it. We don't set it. We don't separate the parts of strength in the whole. You know, I grew up in a, a big Irish family. You know, I had like 7,000 cousins. So that's like great, but it's one-on-one -on -one time that, that really drives the connection. Um, so one-on-one -on -one time is overlooked and it's so potent and so doable, but rarely happens. The second thing now in today's world that that gives it real focus quality time is you've heard of intermittent fasting, right? It's yeah. good for the body. It cleans it out. Good for weight maintenance, organ revitalization. Well, what I believe in is intermittent tech fasting. I'm not giving up technology, but there's a time and a place and there's times where I'm on it and there's times when I'm off. When I'm mm -hmm. spending this quality time with my children, my phone is off and so is theirs. It is such a powerful thing. And again, it rarely happens now. Someone's always doing this. Hold on one second. You give your kid the fake answer. Uh-huh. Like you act like you heard them and were listening and you weren't. And they know and they notice. Um, so the, the ability to go into intermittent tech fasting while you're spending time with your children, have them do the same. Absolute game changer. And the last thing is really just fun activities. Having fun together is such the language of a child. Miniature golf, like you said, there's, oh, well, that couldn't deepen the relationship. That can't instill values. That can't, it can do right. all that and more um, if you'll just set the time to do it. And when you're doing it one-on-one -on -one, without interruption of phones, texts, emails, Facebook threads, it goes to a deeper level that a lot of people sadly don't get to experience anymore. Absolutely. And so you're saying that uh, to parents listening that you you schedule one-on-one -on -one time with every single one of your kids, how many times a year? Uh, every quarter, every quarter. So again, let's let's give them the paper napkin wisdom right now. Remember, okay. I'm ADD. The parents out there might be ADD. Every quarter, <laughs> I spend one day with each one of my children, at least four hours. So at least a half a day, one-on-one -on -one 
without electronics, doing a fun activity of their choice and spending time at the end of that day, having some conversation. That's it. Every quarter, quarter in, quarter out, these are the guideposts of our relationships. These are the big memory markers. This is when I remember the biggest conversations. This is when I've given the most uncomfortable apologies and compliments that were probably overdue to my kids. I've had the most fun and laughter. These are the moments and these one a quarter, you can build off them, build off them. We've been doing them 10 years now. Wow, that's awesome. And what would you say uh, since you've started those meetings um, with your children, what are some of the most uh, obvious uh, uh, improvements? I, I hate to call them improvements, but like they are, we, we do those things, right? So we have a deeper connection. And so, so what have you noticed uh, that changed during doing those meetings? A couple of things. And now we have four children. Uh, ranging from um, the age of four to 17 now. Um, so we have a big range of, of children. A couple of cool things. Now my younger ones, the four and six-year-old, there's, there's a debate of whose board meeting is next, and I'm due for one this weekend, and who has the next one, and they want to do it, and where are we going to go? They're bought in. They, they, they look forward to it. They want that one-on-one -on -one time. Most dads, unfortunately, the old uh, ways of doing things were delegate yourself out of family life. You're just a worker, you know, show up once in a while to discipline. This really brings me into a relationship with them and they're vibing for it. Also, I remember, you know, we do this thing at the end of the day, best part of the day. Um, it was a couple months ago, my oldest son, 17, he said, best part is dad still takes time to be one-on-one -on -one with me. And that's mm -hmm. coming from a, a then 16 year old who 16 year olds don't usually talk like that. Right. Um, so, so that's huge. And also, discussions of bigger peer pressures, um, bigger situations, which I talk about in my book, stepping into that, you know, adopted father role was big, scary, important to me. Um, and, and what I saw happen in that first year was, was groundbreaking. Wow. Uh, something I'll, I'll never forget. You know, that brings up a, a term I literally uh, learned about yesterday. I was talking to one of the guests coming up uh, in the future Peter Bregan is a, a doctor or a, a psychologist, and he's sort of an anti-medication, anti you know, psychiatry medication for kids. And he told me about this term he had coined called dads, which means dad attention deficit syndrome. And he was exploring how the, the absence of a, a, a father who disciplines the child, and of course, discipline could be misunderstood. It's not like with the belt, you know, but who lovingly disciplines the child. And he's noticed that when that father figure is not present in the household, doesn't mean, you know, if, if there's a divorce, the father lives in another household, that's fine, but he can still be that disciplined father figure, right? Of course. He, right? But it, and I agree totally with that. An absentee dad, I mean, you look at the absentee father results and the studies done on it of prison time, of addiction. Yep. It is stunning, stunning. We were actually on a, um, on a, a mastermind call last night. Um, and my wife is very involved in Waldorf and, and Montessori education. Mm -hmm. She's run both type of alternative schools. And the lady said something really powerful about, about discipline and boundaries. It, it's not like you know, the old, like, beat you into style thing but but discipline and boundaries are a really good thing for parents to hold and sometimes they're just letting their kids do what they want thinking it's love but do you remember you've seen like if you and your wife were going hiking let's say in in in, in the mountains of sedona and there was a, there was a, a a nice crossing and it's one of those those link bridges 
where it's like a wooden bridge that goes across and there's the railings on the side. And, you know, you want those railings to walk around, right? You don't want to go out there with you and your wife walking across this, this thing over a ravine with no sides, right? The sides give you comfort. You keep going. You feel this bridge is secure. You're walking with those. That is what boundaries and discipline are for our children. We're giving them these things where now they have a, a path to follow. Without that, they're literally going out over the ravine with, with no side guardrails. Yeah. And I thought, that is brilliant. I just heard that last night. And we've said things like that. But I think that if we are afraid to cultivate a, a, an environment where there is some discipline, there are some boundaries, there are consequences, we are cheating our children. Yeah. I, I, I totally agree. I heard something yesterday that said there's there's freedom in boundaries. And, you know, at first you were like, what, what do you mean? But I always I always said that before, like, you know, when once you have a family and kids, you schedule your spontaneity because once it's scheduled, you can relax and let go and be spontaneous inside of that container. Right. It's it's a very similar thing. Very much so. I mean, one of the things that I talk about in our book, my favorite saying that I say over and over that which we schedule gets done. Hmm. That which we schedule gets done. If you want a business out there and you have like a, a major investor in your business, are you going to say, oh, I'll figure out when to call them or get together with them? No, you're going to schedule that. You're going to give it priority. And I found with my wife, you know, every Wednesday night, 530 to 830 is date night. You know, I schedule my board meetings with my children. It's not, it's not lack of emotion. It's, it's full of emotion. And when I get it on the schedule, my ADD can't Mess it up. <laughs> I know how to work with myself now. It's there. I can, I do it rhythmic where I know it's every quarter, every Wednesday night state night, every Sunday afternoon is family meeting. When you set those little rhythms in, you, your kids have confidence. They have mm. more grounding um, and, and you feel more connected. And it's not that many things. If you just schedule a few things into your daily, weekly, monthly, yearly schedule um, and stick to them. And that's great. I a hundred percent with you. And I'm, I'm a, I'm a big schedule guy. My calendar is like always back to back to back to back. And I've learned just to honor what I put in there. And sometimes I procrastinate and move it to the next day, but it'll get done within two to three days. You know, that's the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, within the week, right? <laughs> exactly. Within the week. Yep. Um, I've read somewhere that did one of your sons before you started uh, the, the meetings had uh, ADHD or autism uh, when, 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 we first, when I first came into my oldest son's life, um, he was really bad student, close to failing. Um, he was diagnosed, uh, he was put on the, I hate the word, but it was put on the spectrum at school for autism. Yeah. Um, and he suffered every night from night terrors. Um, and unfortunately, with confusion of education and overwhelm, and I think of, it's not always they're trying to be malicious, but there's not understanding, there's not time to deal uh, with certain things they overlooked, you know, he had been through some pretty tough times before I, I came, came around. So I knew it was stress related and it could change. Uh, I'm, I'm a bullheaded optimist. Sometimes you're not going to change me on certain things like that. <laughs> and I think there's a time and a place for, for medication and therapy and lots of things, but not this time he needed, uh, he needed to feel safe, appreciated and a father figure like we were just talking about. And within one year, um, you know, those, those were gone, Roman, all three of them. We, we went from failing to, he became the most improved student in the third grade. He got this award. He was, you know, beaming when he got it. Um, he, he, they retracted the diagnosis of autism and admitted it was a mistake. 
Uh, I was pretty sure on that it wasn't, and I held strong on that. Um, you, you wouldn't even know that today. Uh, and and then uh, within a year, his night terrors were completely gone. Wow, that's amazing. I mean, that just shows me again the power of of attention, love, nurture, uh, you know, positivity, and and really having them believe in 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 themselves. And the yeah. kicker is, if we don't believe in ourselves, we can't believe in you know they. We can't teach our kids how to believe in themselves. Yeah, and some reason we've been we've been taught that we don't have a degree or a um, a, a, a specialized uh, learning in being a parent, but love goes a long way. Love, yeah. attention, dedication is as corny as that may sound. It goes a long way, and that's sometimes what they're looking for. If you try to delegate yourself out of that situation, uh, or that responsibility, or that quality time, I just don't think there's anything that can replace it. Mm, I, I, I'm 100% agree. That's it's such a powerful. It's not. A, it's not even a tool. It's like. It's it, right? The, it's, it's, uh, it's like principle, like gravity almost, the way I see it. it. It is that fundamental to relationships and what a lot of children need nowadays. Now, let's talk about needs, right? So I made a note that, you know, as parents, we often assume that we know what a child needs versus honoring and listening to a child's needs. Can you talk a little bit about how you personally, as a father, a husband, um, you know, deal with that when, when you catch yourself perhaps thinking, you know what, you know what, I, th I think I know what he needs or she needs, but actually, you know what, let me, let me listen, let me feel into it. Or how do you do that to make sure uh, you honor them and you let them unfold? Yeah. Well, I think, I think one of the things is, well, and I talk about this in my book, you know, we always think we know what we need, you know, you and I might really like football and we say, okay, for our next day alone, I'm going to take you to a football game. Isn't it great? And, and they have no interest in football. So they just spent the whole day doing something you wanted to do that they're not passionate about that you like. And you're thinking, oh, great. Isn't it great? We bonded. I, I like to, you know, and again, that's a Montessori thing. Follow the child, let them express their, you know, show their gifts and talents and interests. And that's why with letting them have this day each month, uh, I mean, each quarter, I let them play in the day. People want to say, I want to support my kids' gifts and talents. I want to learn more about what they're interested in. Let them plan a day like this. It's going to start to start to un unveil. And, and I've seen that happen uh, with, with these things. I mean, my son who's now 17, he, by, by the time his 18th birthday, he'll have his captain's license. We would go fishing a lot. He wants to have his own charter fishing business. He has a mentor in it from one of our entrepreneur family friends that does incredibly well with it. He's happy as anything. I, don't, I like fishing. It's not my passion. But if I had tried to block that out um, or say, no, no, we're going to do this, that would have never developed. Um, and I think an important thing that you should start at an early age, and this is really scary, but I swear that it works. And people thought I was nuts to say, but your kids will come to you and they'll try to please you sometimes. They'll either try to go against the grain or please you. But when I see my kids, well, I'm thinking that, you know, I might want to do this. What do you think? Or do you think I might like this? And, and what I've been saying to them, Roman, is don't worry about what I want. What do you want? And to give that ownership and freedom back to them is a gift that a lot of generations before would not do. And I keep saying that to them where if I think they're trying to please me or go into something of my business just to please me, I'm saying, please don't worry about what I want. Just let's focus on what you want. 
that's going to give buy-in. That's going to give creativity. That's going to unleash talents there where they might've been afraid before to express and, and, and put on the table. Um, so those are my two best ways where take the action where if you're going to get together with them, let them plan the day. Uh, and secondly, you know, have the courage to say, don't worry about what I want. Let's figure out what you want. Cause it mm-hmm. could be totally different. I can't read minds. I don't know completely what's inside of you as much as I love you and, and want to. That's great. We should say that to our wives too. Just tell me what you want, because I don't want to be guessing. I know that's the game, but can you just tell me what you actually want? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's so funny. Um, so I want to get to kind of like uh, the black and white here. So uh, I always ask every guest the question, or most guests, maybe sometimes I forget because I'm so into it, but um if somebody said to you, what is ADHD, right? Not just a name, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, but what is the thing? How would you describe it to someone? I would say it's a, it's a different, well, first of all, I would say it's, it's a, it's a, a, a gift that most people don't have. If as long as it's it's nurtured and treated correctly, I think it's a just ADHD is a different way of seeing and processing things, and that's it. We see and process things a little bit differently, and when you work with it, it is a superpower. When you work against it and put kids in chains and and try to break it, it it's disastrous. Well said. And I'm always amazed of the different definitions and and you know. Very clear. I like that. And, and so your personal experience, you would call that a like you've noticed it early on, but sort of made it through childhood. And then as a 20 something got diagnosed or was told that that's it. Is that yeah, what happened? I've been told. I mean, I can think of every parent teacher conference since early age, but my parents, you know, we were not well off. So I think to go for anything um, of any further study or or diagnosis they weren't willing it was just well he'll be in trouble so i was in trouble all the time roman that long six and a half hour day i could not sit still there was a reason i was the class clown i was never malicious uh but i it it was really hard and gosh when we think about we were we would have gym class twice a week for about a half hour you need to run this this cult you know i needed to be moving i look at my sons today who went in montessori and they're out in forest school and i'm like i would have been in so much less trouble had i done this so i always knew and it was really painful for me it, it's not easy and that's what i want to encourage the parents we, we have this we have this bad habit of discounting what our kids are going through whether it was the pandemic, like, oh, you're just having to take school at home and not see your friends as much. Get over it. I'm running two businesses. That's really bad. And if you're not ADD, I can just tell you, it is, it's really hard. It is not easy to conform to certain ways because, again, we process and see things differently. Um, so we're always hitting up against a wall in certain environments and certain rule structures. Um, but then in other ones, gosh, do we thrive? Man, do we stand out and and shine and and you know you unveil a part of their their personality and their character. But but it is, it is very important the environment and structures you put them in. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let me ask you. So we we have this saying that um, you know how we um, cultivate. I say how we cultivate our 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 intuition, our gut feeling is through impulsivity like do something it didn't work you learn you move on right 
And how, what's something you feel like parents can do with their children uh, or adults, of course, to, to perhaps foster that or promote uh, impulsivity, if you will, or change the agreement that impulsivity is bad? You know, I, I don't think it's bad, actually. Yeah. I remember we read this kid's book about um, Picasso. Uh, it was a kid's book about Picasso and he had a young uh, kid model that he, he helped save and all this. And she went into his place and it was messy. She's like the greatest uh, artist in the world. It was messy. Sometimes creativity is messy. Sometimes growth is messy. Sometimes impulsivity is messy. But as long as it's not going against core values of, you know, addiction or violence or things like that, this is how we learn. And if we allow a little bit of messiness, uh, that that can go a long way. So again, the clean and tidy for for age four to sixteen for an ADD person, ah, oh, you're asking for a lot, and you're stunting growth. And so all I say is just just realize that creativity and growth can be messy, especially for, for interesting folks like myself, your son and others. Um, it, yeah. And I think a lot of parents as parents, you know, early on, you, you know, we know the kids are messy and they, they they're going to want to paint the walls and do all that stuff, but we get so anal about it. And suddenly, you know, I found myself in the early years uh, cleaning up behind, you know, after them and making sure the house looks nice when people come over. And I was like, what am I doing? They're like two, three years old. They're going to want to mess things up. And that's the whole point, right? If, if I become this sort of vacuum cleaner behind them and, and, you know, they may even learn that it's not okay to be messy. And yeah. I think in the messiness, it comes to learning and comes to creativity and all that stuff. So um, now I just want to ask one important question for entrepreneurs, right? Is there more stress and anxiety perhaps in, in an entrepreneur's life and, and in the family? And how, how can that affect them? On top of that, if you have a child with ADHD, is even more stress? Yeah, I mean, I think I've met a lot of entrepreneurs who are ADD. I think we're drawn to the, to the field. I think there's, there's some things that really line up with how we, again, how we process, how we see things but it can put stress on it uh, because, you know, if certain things uh, we can go without order, but we need a certain structure. And then if it's not there, we feel lost. It feels heavier. There's, there's highs and lows with entrepreneurship, which can be hard on AD. It can be hard on anyone, but ADD and ADHD, especially. Um, so I think it can be hard, but again, what I found is if you can rhythmize, a couple of things, especially in your business and home life to kind of have be those, those guideposts in it, it makes a big difference. And again, something that I heard just recently uh, was, was get comfortable with the uncomfortable. And that's just something that the more I've leaned into that and saying ADD and how my thoughts go and all this, sometimes it's uncomfortable, but I can get comfortable with it. And then the more comfortable with it, the less serious I take it. And I usually stay in groove. Nice. Nice. I like that. Yeah. And how do you feel about uh, not just yourself with your family, but this this uh, online learning, this Zoom classrooms? And I know it's slowing down a little bit, I believe, uh, for some schools and for some kids. But how did you, when that first came on the scene, how, what was your reaction to that type of learning? 
Yeah, it's interesting you said. I mean, we've always used Waldorf and Montessori uh, for the younger ones. My two older sons right now, by choice, are homeschooled. And I, I have found it, I'll probably give a different perspective. I love personal connection, personal touch. But, you know, when I heard about homeschooling or having your own tutors, I mean, that's something like the Rockefellers did, right? They had their own tutors and traveled the world. It's, we're talking about the elites. Now there's good tutors and things out there that can give specialized one-on-one -on -one attention. So one of my sons is a really good student. The other's naturally not, but they're both getting great grades. And what I like, I like the, the, the home learning uh, because I'll tell you why. They're done in, in three hours a day, four days a week. So they have tutors that are helping them. You can't hide in the back of the classroom. It's kind of bringing you up to the front. They can work with their individual ways uh, and they're getting it done. I did not like, I think I would have done much better in school, Roman, if they had said, look, you can get out of here in three hours if you get everything done. There would have been some motivation now that I'm just waiting out the clock. Yeah. For me, the way I process. So I've seen that with my boys, my older ones, where I think it's been good for them to have all this time to like get to the beach and go out fishing and surfing. Like they're, they're active. So it's, I've enjoyed it. I've liked it. And I think it's more effective. You know, for me, I'm going, huh, if I had to go to school seven hours a day, five days a week, now they're going three hours a day, four days a week, and they're getting done six to eight weeks earlier than the normal school year. That's something we need to look at because they're getting plenty of socialization uh, now that we're, we're, we're pretty much reopened here in Florida. But, um, but yeah, that's, that's, it's been an interesting thing for me to watch. Like I might've done better at that as long as I, I don't want to lose the social aspect. Definitely not. But, but that individual attention um, has been really good for some people that I know. And it, again, you're not waiting out the clock, you're getting it done and having a reward of, of more time to play and enjoy and all that kind of stuff. And why not? Let's give it to them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and, and you are, uh, I would call you definitely a stand for education reform, right? Um, oh, 100%. <laughs> yeah. 100%. <laughs> I, think, I think the pandemic showed it. It's outdated. Our kids, you know, I did a, I did a survey years ago. I inter interviewed a lot of entrepreneurs about the toughest times in their life. Um, and, and it was like seven common themes of tough times in their life, you know, periods of unknown, you know, periods of potential uh, abuse, you know, periods of, of extreme financial issues, illness and death. I mean, there's a couple of major ones that all, and, and we came to the conclusion, some of the master um, uh, people in this study with me, what did school do to prepare us for these toughest times in life? Could we have avoided them or, or handled them better if we had had certain education? And what we found is yes. I think the three things lacking, Roman, that should be core curriculum instead of occasional enhancement are personal development, relationship skills, and financial intelligence. Because if you have those, you could still be the artist, the butcher, the baker, the candlestick maker, but I think you can be happier personally and professionally with those three things. We don't really dig into them. Um, no. And if I believe the tougher times in my life could have been avoided or gone through easier if I had had better trainer training at an earlier age on those things. I'm I'm 100% with you there with those those skills. I always tell my wife like I want them to be emotionally intelligent. I want them to be hungry for becoming a better person and growing and learning. Yeah. And of course, they need to know how to manage money and, and, and also know which, you know, look forward, like, you know, with, with cryptocurrencies and all that stuff that's happening. Yeah. So they're aware of it. 
You know, yeah. it's massive. That's, like, that's rarely focused on. It's rarely focused on. And I'm saying this is this is about, again, not not shielding them from tough times, but letting them be better prepared. And also those lessons too, Roman, personal development, relationship skills, financial intelligence, those have propelled me into some of the best times in my life. Those those three things. You know, I just watched a TED talk yesterday on on that. It's I forget how many years it is now, hundred and something years Harvard study about what really brings happiness. And they've broke it down to, it was like 700 and something people, most of them in their nineties now from when it started, it's the second generation, but it was, it was good relationships. I'm going, wow, good relationships. But are we taught to have how to develop no. relationships? <laughs> how to have good friendships or bad friendships? How to, we're not taught that. And you would think, gosh, that's a pretty important thing to, to really focus uh, well, on. Well, we, we, we teach social studies, right? Which is, it, it keeps you on the stands, not on the court. But there you go. Right? That's a great, great analogy. Very good analogy. But if, I mean, relationship skills, when you think about it, personally and professionally, you can be happier during the day with what you're doing and you can have more meaning in your personal life. Because, because again, not to pick on doctors, I, I have a lot of doctor friends I work on them, but when you and I were kids, it was probably like, if you're a doctor, you are set, right? You are, everything's yep. great. But I've, I've met doctors who are uncomfortable in their own skin their relationships are in the toilet and they're terrible with money. So it kind of takes away that all these parents out there are going, I want my kid to focus and, and stop this crazy behavior and become a doctor. Right. Like, Great. But what if there are those three things, uncomfortable in their own skin, not fulfilled, their relationships are bad and, and their money skills are horrible. I don't I'll, think they're- I'll fulfilled. tell you what they're going to say. They're going to say yes, but then he can prescribe himself some medication and feel better. <laughs> <laughs> <Nope>. <laughs> Right. Unfortunately, yes. Uh, I don't think you and I will agree with it, but yes, you're right. <laughs> right. No, it's interesting because if you ask parents, why do you want your child to become a doctor? I think the answer would be probably, uh, you know, stability, uh, income, you know, I mean, it's really about money. Uh, I think that, and that's what always, uh, not disturbs me. It, 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 it rubs me the wrong way when asked parents, and I've been there myself early on, not anymore, when we say, you know what, we got to make sure our kids turn out and they have a good job or a good career. And it's just our own fear, our own like scarcity conversation that they're not going to like have enough money and die. You know, it just doesn't, yeah, it doesn't make for a, good a, guidance. a loafer or a, you know, a freeloader. And it's not true. I mean, Again, I've had people before me, but I couldn't be more proud of my oldest son. He mm. loves fishing. He's good at it. It's his artwork. He goes into it. We found people that are a few years older than him making incredible money. And they say, well, on a day off, I'd probably be fishing anyway. And so they're happy. They can't, they have that true thing of confusing work and play. But, you know, you think at certain social events and that, oh, what college is your kid going to? Oh, what right. I don't care about any of that. I want, if he wants to be a fisherman, I'm so supportive, so in, and couldn't be prouder. And I couldn't say I was always like that. 20 years ago, I thought, I want my kids to have that. They're going Ivy. Or, mm -hmm. and I've totally uh, retracted that. I, I want them to go in the direction they want to, and I couldn't be prouder. And I think that's going to give them the gas, the fuel to really shine. And again, they're going to have an unfair advantage if they have that type of freedom to choose and go into something that I never could have identified. So what do you think, you know, I was going to ask you, like, you know, what's the most important message you have for parents with kids with ADHD? You know, it's a very general question, but how, what, what, let me start there. 
what do you think is the reason for us? I'll include us too, because we were like that before, but for parents to, to have this fear that their disordered child isn't going to live a fulfilled life. Like, what is that fear? Where is that fear coming from? And how can we, like, I want to shift this. Like, it's such a big, looming, dark cloud over, over these parents, you know? Yeah, and, and, I, and I get it. But sitting on both sides of the fence now, I can tell them, I think it was Mark Twain that said, I've been through some, some terrible times in my life. Some of them actually happened. Or he was talking about worry, you know? So it's, we're so worried. I mean, I'm, I'm proof. Look, ADD has some dark sides to it. If you don't facilitate, there's higher things of, of all sorts of, of bad habits and addiction and that. I think if it's, if it's um, not supported, but when it's supported, man, can they shine? I think you should get rid of this fear and look at the opportunity. Look at the people who are you know, ADD or, or um, dyslexic, what they've done. Because usually there was someone facilitated. Normally there was strength in a parent or teacher that let them learn and, and process and grow along a little bit of a different path. I do think that you have to be open to getting a little bit outside the lines. We're going to color outside the lines. And if you can support them through that, again, not enable them or anything like that, but learn more about it. I think you can relax and say, look, this could work out. It really could work out where it's not going to work out moment. And, and most of the fear that they have doesn't rely, doesn't lie within their childhood. It, it does lie on them at this age right now of how they treat this, how they look at this, how they look at their son or daughter, because they will feel that. And I'm telling you, you are cheating yourself. If you're looking at this as a, as a curse instead of a blessing, I look at it and I tell my kids proudly, they see me on stage now where I own it. And people will say, wow, that was really brave. And I'm like, what? Talking about my failing? They're like, no, you admitted in front of a thousand people, you have ADD. I'm like, oh, is that bad? And I don't even realize anymore that that's bad. That's, that's like a, a badge of honor for me now. And I think if parents can start to look at that and maybe open up to that possibility, it might give them some comfort, it might give them some support. That's great. Yeah. And one thing you mentioned earlier, I'm a big believer in too, is, is in having mentors, right? In different areas in life. Oh, yeah. Could yep. you perhaps uh, talk to uh, most of our listeners, our parents or, or you know, uh, people, humans with ADHD, but like, what's the value of getting mentors and what would you recommend how to go about it if parents wanted to get mentors for their children? Yeah, I think, and I like to use the word fun uncle, fun aunt. So you're looking at the younger kids, right? Roman, like, wow, documentary guy, lives in a cool part of California. You know, I'd be like, my kids, oh, he's cool. He does documentaries and this and that, right? And so we use that to our advantage. So your son, you might tell him something. You guys got a great relationship. You're trying to teach a lesson to him, right? And you've said it five times and it doesn't seem to be getting through to him. You're doing it gently, it's not getting through. Now, all of a sudden here I come with, you know, out of, out of whack surfer hair and that, and you introduce him to your surfing buddy or what, and, and I say it from a little different hierarchy and little different angle and it penetrates. And you're like, what the heck? I said that five times. You know how many times that's happened to me? Tons. Yeah. So I love to employ fun uncles and fun aunts. I try to get people, other entrepreneurs, other people who share my core values to talk with my kids. I introduce them to my friends because I know what they say. 
might penetrate from a little different direction, a little different hierarchy where they're more open to it. And it's not that you don't have a close relationship. Most people say, oh, my kids and I are close. No, look, sometimes we're all like that. We don't, in that hierarchy, we don't want to take it from, from how we were with our parents or from our spouse or that. So you use the fun, fun aunts and fun uncle um, to your advantage. So I'd say mm-hmm. with starting out with mentors, have people that share your values. Let them talk with your kids about some of this stuff. Like for my son, we had a, a good friend of mine. Son was was a few years older, and he's a he's a professional charter fisherman. The conversations he had with my son were groundbreaking. I could never have done that. So I just employ uh, I employ fun uncles and fun aunts. Look around; they're probably right there. Let them talk to your kids. Introduce them to your friends, and it's also going to help you look at your friends and say, "Are my friends of my core values?" Um, you know, and and that's an important thing as well. Mm, that's great. Uh, one thing I love that you mentioned uh, is that is the crazy glue for families. Can you just elaborate on that? It's such a great analogy. Yeah, I mean, crazy glue is just a simple like product, right? You know what it's going to do. And I think the crazy glue for families, the reason that I started getting that nickname is because I just try to create simple strategies and rhythms that stick. They work. They're easy to understand. I could write them on a napkin. They've been tested. And I think one of the biggest things is saying they're used by other entrepreneur ADD people like me, and they're continuing to go because they're not complicated, but they are easy to buy into and easy to see results. So it's just like, oh, it's crazy glue. What that family board meeting sticks. His date night with a question brought my marriage closer together. And so I just, it's just, we, we try to really, really work hard on simplifying Roman and doing and offering workshops or or just strategies that stick um, because who cares about having a bunch of intellectual blah 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 we want things that you can understand use and see results with that's great and i i truly believe that what you're doing is you're making a difference in these families and for these children and if they have what's the so-called disorder uh, adhd which i believe is made up um you know then what happens is that you're really you're really keep not keeping the family together, but you're giving them tools, right? For them yeah. to stay together. And I feel that, 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 that grounding and that certainty in the family will, will make those ADHD uh, symptoms dissolve over time. I agree. They dissipate with the right supporting structure. You can have such a difference within six months to a year. Huge, I think incredible difference. It's not 10 years off. It's, it is so within grasp, I believe, not completely, but it might be able to get you 80% of the way there. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm with that. Lastly, I want to talk about something which is, you know, there's, there's a book uh, I was reading, Gabor Mate was a co-author called Hold On To Your Kids. And the way you mention it is like, you know, if we want our children to come to us for advice in the future, then we got to do that work now. Oh, big time. Big time. Would you say, so, yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say, would you say that uh, obviously the board meeting and, 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 but, but please elaborate for our listeners, like what, what are the things that they can do to really strengthen that bond now so that later when there's bigger issues, you know, you have this with your teenagers, I'm sure coming up or already in it, that they come to you and actually share and open up, right? They don't yeah, go I to their that, peers. Yeah. No. Yeah. Cause peers of the internet are terrible sorts of actual wisdom they're, they're just usually talking out of their their other end and and that's not going to do our kids any good but if they're not comfortable coming to us that's a problem how do they get comfortable coming to us first you start young 
And on the, you know, one day a month, you know, there is something that most kids are lacking, sincere apologies and genuine compliments. And if you will take the time to give those or even be vulnerable. I mean, I love Brene Brown, her, her stuff about the art of vulnerability. You're vulnerable. If you set yourself up like Superman, I never had any bad grades. I never had this. I never, how, how can they relate with you? And first of all, you're lying. We all know that. So I try to share with my kids. Oh, I remember, you know, getting chased by a dog and being terrified. I remember getting pushed from, down from behind at football practice when I was young. And like, I, like I share vulnerable things, especially on our board meetings. Um, and I think that's key. And that will bring it right up where some of them are saying, well, gosh, my kid's already 13, 14. How do I catch it up? First thing you do is, yes, you're earning. Yes, you're working hard. We are never immune to a sincere apology. Sincere apologies go a long way. That's an opening thing. And then be vulnerable. Don't try to be Superman and, and talk about how you never got in trouble. You never had a bad grade. You never... How do they relate with you? Be vulnerable. Talk about when the, you messed up as a kid. Talk about the fears you have now in your business or what you're going through. And when you share those things, they see you human instead of some, you know, non-relatable um, entity that's completely separate and they can't relate to. But if you if you use sincere apologies and share vulnerability and your own tough times at their age or what you're going through now, that's been my secret to keep me humble and close to my kids. Beautifully, beautifully said. Yeah. And, you know, look, your, your book, uh, The Family Board Meeting, is not about ADHD, but I have to say that what you're teaching is really for us to pay attention, spend time with, go deep, be vulnerable, be real with our children. And that that in itself is is probably more potent than stimulant medication, in my opinion. So I really want to acknowledge you for the work you're doing. Thank you. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. And yeah. I think the principles are there and the, the power of rhythms along with ADD um, are, are undeniable. So if you give yourself that gift and your children, things can get easier, quicker. And you can see, wow, this is not, again, I can't stress that enough. This isn't, this really isn't a curse. This is a blessing. This is an opportunity. This is exciting. You know, you embrace it like that. It can be looked at completely differently. Well, Jim, it's been a it's been a real pleasure, and I'm gonna I'm gonna leave the notes in the show notes for the podcast, so so that our listeners can find your book and your website, and and I just uh, uh, really appreciate your time and 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 speaking to me about uh, you know not just obviously ADHD, but about the board meeting, the importance of connections. So thank you so much for for the, for your time, and hopefully we'll do a part two sometime down the road. Sounds good, Roman. I'll look forward to it.